I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, folks. You're all very welcome back to the Celtic Soul podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and thanks very much for listening to us over the past couple of years. And it's great to be at a lockdown now and back in the real world and meeting people and going to games and the pub and discos and gigs. And I'm sure my guest today is enjoying being back out. I know he's out in the golf course as well a lot. I think it was out with John Hudson last week talking maybe about referees, but then again, we leave that for John to talk about. Folks, my guest today on the show is. Uh, one of the men who stopped the 10 in a row, uh, spent a number of years at Celtic from a young man to uh, before he went down to the, the riches of the Premier League in the south of England with Sheffield Wednesday. Joining me, folks, is Simon Donnelly. Simon, you're very welcome to the podcast. How you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, good, Simon. Simon, the last time I spoke to you was, I think it was the night we played Salda Viga. Uh, or in and around that time before Christmas, but you were just after finally getting the the big night with Henrik and John and Sooty and Martin O'Neill wrapped up in the hydro. What a night! Yeah. So first of all, a big applause for that one. Yeah, it was brilliant, mate. Uh, obviously, we'd <clears throat> we'd had it in the the diary from a year or so before, and everything as you just mentioned there with the lockdown and stuff. It had to get put back. I think three or four times it get put back. So there's always a worry because you're always looking at Henrik's diary and seeing if the the, the, the next date's going to suit everybody. But the, the night turned out to be a great night. You know, it was a great turnout at the Hydro. It was good to see all the boys. It, it wasn't quite, there was a few that I played with, but it was more, I would say, the, the kind of Martin O'Neill 2003 squad. It was good to watch them behind the scenes in the green room, just catching up uh, so it was a really good night. I think everybody enjoyed it from, from the fans to, to the guys that were actually involved on the stage. Yeah, and, and after we ended up back in the hotel and I was speaking to your former assistant manager, uh, Mordor McLeod, and he had he'd be he'd been recently um had met Wim Jansen, his his old yeah. buddy. And unfortunately <coughs> Wim passed away shortly after that. Um now the book 
is out in Dutch. I, I don't think there's an English version out yet, but hopefully there will be. Just um, I think, I think they're in the pro- I think they're in the process of translating it. Yeah, because it'd be well worth the read for us. Now we're in a we're in a, a title running now with a new manager, Ange Postecoglou, who came from Japan, and not a lot, a lot of us knew a lot about him. And probably the same when Wim Janssen arrived in to the club. Um, I think maybe the, the foundations was maybe better because Tommy had almost won the league. Tommy had built up a decent squad. But, you know, you're losing this iconic Celtic manager. You're also losing yeah. an iconic Celtic captain. And then you have a manager coming in that you don't know a lot about. And he comes in late and you lose your first two games. So what was in the league? What was the... What was the first impressions of Wim when he came in? Well, it's, it's, it's funny that you mention all that because I think, <clears throat> obviously, I've been asked plenty of times this season. This season quite reflects quite a lot of similarities. Uh, and just as you touched on there, you know, a, a manager coming into a club, I'd never heard of Wim Janssen. And I, I look back now, it's, it's slightly ignorant uh, of myself and, and, and others that we didn't know who he was because this guy played in two World Cup finals, you know, uh, a final legend. Uh, but we just didn't know about him. Uh, but as soon as he came to the club, I remember him, he turned up when we were, we were in pre-season. I think Murdo, as you're sitting there, had taken us over to, to Holland or Germany. I can't remember who it was. Uh, and he was kind of, he was taking the, the, the pre-season until Vim turned up. And there was a lot of speculation with, with other names at the time. And when Vim arrived, I just remember he, this figure cutting across the, the training ground with a, it was a, it was a horrible Celtic kind of shell suit tracksuit that we had that it was like an oven when you wore it. So he had this on and his curly hair, and that was my first images, and it sticks in my mind with him. But really, from the, from the off, I just liked his manner. He was a very calm guy. His training was really good. Everything was from day one with the ball. It was all intense, but it was all ball work. And I just, I just enjoyed working for the guy. As I say, what an impact he had that year. Uh, you're touching on Tommy there as well. Tommy obviously had a fiery side to him. And I, I don't know, looking back on it, Vim's kind of calm influence coming in that year. Uh, he was an outsider to Celtic. You know, he didn't have any kind of links to Celtic. And just the way he went about it probably helped us a wee bit. And obviously... The recruitment again, similar to Ange this year, bringing in seven, eight, nine new players and having to gel pretty quickly. And obviously there was a, a Mr. Larson in amongst those those guys that were brought in. And so I mean, I'm just just when you mentioned the players there that he brought in, he brought in Darren Jackson, Craig Bowley, Stefan Mahey, Henrik Larson, Reggie Blinker, Jonathan Gould, Mark Reaper, Paul Lambert, <coughs> Harold Bradback, and Kevin Pixlington. And out went Paul because he retired. Paddy Kelly, Brian O'Neill, and Paolo De Canio. They went out. So it was it was a huge upheaval at the club. And I suppose, like you, you might be able to answer this. Like Ange, Ange was kind of when players got injured early on in the season. You know, you looked at the bench, and we were down to the bare bones of the squad. Then he brought, he freshened it up in January, which is sometimes hard to do. Now back then, I don't think there was the the winter window. So play, if I look at this, players no. come in. Um, Paul Lambert came in in November Harold came in in December yeah. was the arrival of, of yeah. Paul Lambert um, like a really good a Champions League winner was that a really good thing to come into the dressing rooms 
<clears throat> yeah, I think so. Him and, him and Bully in the middle of the park, because you're talking about, obviously, Paul McStay uh, leaving and stuff. I mean, Paul was an, an unbelievably good player uh, that I was lucky enough to play with for a couple of seasons. But <clears throat> you look at that engine room, and Bully came in and Lambert, and they, and they really became the mainstay, you know, that we built the rest of the team round. Obviously, you'd hem the cup top. Big Reaper coming in, playing the Stubbs and Boyd at the back. So we we did have the basis of a good team, but it's, it, it, it always takes a little bit of time. I mean, you touched on there, they lost our first two games, which is incredible. When you look at Hans this season, very similar, I think, three out of the first four or something like that. So we lost our first two games, the second one being at Celtic Park against Dunfermline. And I, I can't remember totally, but there must have been a hell of a lot of pressure on us. You know, there must have been people out there, you know what it's like in football, question marks, have they appointed the right guy? Unfortunately for us, we went up to McDermott Park midweek to play St. Johnson in a cup game. And we won that. And then we, we followed that up with another league win up there on the Saturday. Difficult place to go, St. Johnson at the time. So that was two kind of, we stemmed the flow, we stopped the, the the losses there. And then not long after that, I think the European experiences, we, we got Liverpool in the UEFA Cup. And I remember thinking at that time, you know, we were out and away goals, but we really, anybody that was in the games would probably agree that we, we were pushing for 3-1 when McManaman breaks away and scores for the, for the second goal. And then we had chances, myself included, down at Anfield. So I came away from those games, you know, with a real confidence, thinking we, we've got a, we've got the basis of a right good side here that can go and, and maybe do something this season. So slowly but surely we started to kick on. Uh, Lambo coming in, he, he said they're a Champions League winner. I knew what the guy could do anyway. Scotland and watching him playing with Motherwell before, fantastic football player, brought a huge bit of experience. Uh, and then Harold late on as well, which again at the time I'd had a short spell up front with Henrik for about maybe eight or nine games, which I absolutely love to this day. You know, the experience was brilliant. But then the team had to be tweaked again. I think Jackie had an injury. I found myself on the right hand side. Harold was playing through the middle with Henrik at this point. So throughout the season, there was different periods, different, you know, roles to be done within the team. But I keep saying to folk, it's, it's a movie. That season in itself is a movie because for all the the wholesale changes at the start, the terrible start we got off to, and it, to go right down to the wire, it's, it's a movie in the making. Yeah, and then moving on as well, winning the league and then moving on and only being there one season. Yeah, but you, but you mentioned like you mentioned the players that you brought in. Mark Reaper, quality. Yeah. Paul Lambert and Craig Bowley was probably he was player of the year that year if I think back 16, in Scotland 16 goals he scored for midfield yeah oh, unbelievable and and then Henrik of course up front you know and I know he's made Chick Charlie famous but you know what was your impressions Air Force impression was who's this guy you know again ignorance on our behalf you know because what yeah what, I knew what, Henrik from the I remember Sweden doing really well in the 1994 uh, World Cup I think they got to the third and fourth playoff against Bulgaria. And I remember him because of the deadlocks. He stuck out. I think he scored in that game. So I knew of him, but that was that was all I really knew from that 94 World Cup. But when he came in, you know, you could tell how good he was. Uh, 
And yeah, he got off to a, he blames Darren Jackson for that pass. He blames Darren for not showing for him. <laughs> uh, but you know, his quality was there and remarkably he only got nineteen goals that season. You know, when you look back, I think Celtic and Henrik were made for each other. I mean, when I moved on, I think Henrik's when I watched Celtic after I'd I'd moved to Sheffield Wednesday, I think his his levels just kept going up. It was just a perfect platform, a perfect club for him to come. He was worshipped and he felt at home there and it brought out the best in him. Because I think before he came at Feyenoord, whatever was happening there, I think he was maybe getting stuck out on the right. Vim knew all this. Vim knew that he wasn't happy, but he also knew what he was getting as a player. If he could get him he, uh, to Celtic, get him enjoying his football and get him playing in the right position and well, the rest is history. But that season, he got 19, which is still good for a first season, but when you think about the, the 40s and the 50s that he went on to, he just, he just kept getting better. And did you see that, like, in those early days? Did you ever, like- I, I did. See, the, the, the little spell I had, I ended up playing up front with him through default. We, we had to play Tyrrell in Europe and Darren Jackson was in the starting 11. And Darren then had his, remember he had his head issue, remember he had to get an operation. So he fell ill on the bus, I think for Cameron House or wherever we were, he fell ill on the way up to the game. Typically no sympathy for the squad, they're saying, oh he's, he's chucked one in here, he doesn't fancy it tonight. But obviously Darren was, was seriously ill and I remember them coming to me and saying, look, I'm going to play you. Darren's not fit to play. I'm going to start you with Henrik. And I, I played well that night. I scored two goals and won my place in the team for the next wee bit. And for that spell, as I say, I was up front with Henrik. And you just it brings the best out in you. But see, when you're playing with really clever players like that, I mean, I, I started off with Charlie Nicholas, who I think was coming to end his career, but a fantastic football player. See, when you play with guys like that, you, it's, it just makes your job easier. And it's... You know, little clever things like around the corner and he knows what you're going to do and vice versa. And I really look back in that period as a, a real fond highlight of my time at Celtic because it was a, well, it was the best for me, the best I played with. So that little period was great. And then, as I say, Harold came to the club. Vim obviously felt he needed another striker. Uh, Harold became available. And then I found myself out on the right, but basically again, because Jackie was, Jackie normally played on the right, Jackie was injured for a spell. Uh, so you were just grateful to play anywhere, but the little period that we had, maybe 10 to 12 games, but him, it was, was an absolute joy. Yeah, and if memory says me right, we'd gone to Oibrox, we'd lost, we'd drawn with them at Celtic Park in November. And then we had the New Year's game, which, which I thought was a huge turning point. Because yeah. we were at it that day, the two 0 and and the midfield, Baldy and Lambert were, were brilliant that day. Yeah, no, that was that was a massive one, and I, I didn't realise, but I think uh, I, I was told recently that if we'd get beat that day, we were slipping maybe seven points behind Rangers. You know, so it was a big, a big result. Looking back, two great goals, Lambos just took the roof off. But that was a that was a big statement from us saying that you know we're in this we're in this for the the distance we're not going away and you know when you look back there's, there's certain results over that season that are really significant and that's that's one of them yeah and 
if we just go fast forward to this season and, and the, the similarities, you know, Ange yeah. didn't have, he, like, okay, he started well and then we, 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 we had a blip and then he went on a great run. But even, like, coming in, you know, you know that Christmas run and that, I, I remember someone saying to me, if we're in touch and distance with Rangers, we can win this league. And another may saying, all, all of the first half of the season he was saying, we're not going to, but just there's just not enough there, and he was he was talking about the bench and that. And I said there's another transfer window, and again he says it's a shy time. January terrible. He says we'll get some duds in that, but we didn't. We were lucky enough. I suppose we were very lucky that Ange knew the Japanese league, yeah. and they play yeah. a different they play different months to us. So, yeah. like, did you think that he would turn it around so quick? D- from the start of the season, yeah. No, no, I really didn't. I really didn't. I go back, and it's probably wrong for me to judge, but I went back to the, the game at Tynecastle, where I think Kyogo documented just well off a flight, uh, and and they get beat. And I, I sat there, I watched the game with my kids, and I thought to myself, this could be a really long season. You know, this guy's going to need a bit of time. But that my mind was changed quite quickly after that. Albeit a couple of defeats, I liked his. I know he took a couple of heavy defeats in Europe, but I liked. I like that approach. I like going and, you know, going toe-to-toe, if you like. And the Betis game is a a classic highlight. Celtic could have been 3-0 up or 3-1 up out of sight. And then, obviously, they came back. But I, I liked this attitude of, we're going to go out and try and beat the opposition. We're not going to sit. And, I, and that's what I said at the time. I said, this will be a really exciting season for Celtic because win or lose they're going to be attacking, there's going to be goals, there's going to be incidents. And I think I've been I've been proved right. I didn't expect them to turn... I, I'm probably of the same thinking that, yeah, if you're still in touch around about this time, it'd be a different pressure for the Rangers team to handle because last season after the turn of the year, with the disappointment of the game at New Year against them, I think they more or less ran away with it after that. They didn't have any real pressure. You go back to the, 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 the title that I won in 98, where it's neck and neck, it's a and it's a different pressure. You're, you're, you feel it breathing down your neck and you feel as if you can't slip up. And that changes within games because you know what your rivals are doing. So it's a whole different ball game. So I thought if Celtic were in touch at this time of the year, it'd be very interesting. But lo and behold, they're six points clear with a huge goal difference and an unbelievably strong position. It's full credit to the guy coming in, the recruitment, the players that have come in and hit the ground. Nearly I don't think there's been a failure with any of the guys that he's brought in. They've all contributed at different times. And again, with him working in a different market, in a different environment, he knew what he was getting the Kyogo. I think that would probably have just been re-emphasised to him how good a first half of the season Kyogo had to go and dip into that market again. And the advantage I think he had over everybody else, you talk about that winter uh, transfer window, he knew what he was after. He, he he probably identified those guys at the start of the season, but they just wouldn't be available then. So he knew what he was getting. And they've come in and they've lifted it. And I know, speaking from experience, you talk about Lambo there that year. When good players join your team, it lifts everybody. And that's that's been evident. That's That's been witnessed at Celtic right throughout the season. Yeah, and the bench now, um, as we go into the, the business end of the season, it's... Like, there's a couple of positions up for grabs, which is which is brilliant because competition is so healthy. 
It is. It is. And you look back to, was it St Mirren just at the turn of the year when the bench wasn't particularly strong and Celtic kind of huffed and puffed and couldn't really get going that night. And now you look at it, uh, and with Jack and Marcus back fit last week, you look to the game on Sunday and uh, I'm already thinking, what's he going to do up top? Because for me, Jack and Marcus is a great uh, second half of the season. Once he got over the injury stuff and started to get a regular game, he's become a real number nine for us. I still think Kyogo's the best striker that Celtic have got. Can you fit these two into the same team? I know people were kind of moaning a wee bit when Kyogo played out on the on the wide against Rangers in the first game. But I, I would love to see these two in the team in the starting eleven. I don't know how you fit them in because I, I know he loves Maeda. Maeda's been terrific. Jota looked as if he was back to his best at Dingwall where it popped up with a goal. These are good headaches to have now though. And he's got these guys a badder. He's got these guys there. Midfield, O'Reilly and Rogic, very similar. He seems to be shuffling them about rather than playing together. But these are all good options now he's got and it'll be interesting to see what they, they go with on Sunday. Yeah, and it it looks like um I don't like as as a Celtic fan, like there's not as much I don't feel the pressure that we felt back in in, in this when the, the year we stopped the ten because there was so much riding on it. Um yeah. so like and I'm kinda I'm I am i am quietly confident, but I, I'm sure I will be a bit nervous before kickoff or, or travelling over on Sunday when, when you're and you're having a point to settle the nerves, like on you know, because it'll be a bit early. I, th- I think the game, I think the game at Dingwall last week was massive because I covered the St Johnson game in the one seven nil, and I, I went into the, the semi final thinking if these guys perform like that. I know St Johnson's a different level to Rangers. If these guys perform like that, they'll win. But there was also a wee bit in the back of my mind saying that that doesn't always work in this fixture. You know, sometimes. It, it's, if you're overconfident or if you feel you know Celtic should win this one sometimes goes the other way and it proved to be the case but the big one for me was Dingwall because the next game is obviously Sunday and if you slip up and the momentum goes the other way you know things can turn around and unravel quite quickly so it was important to get that job done last week and keep that gap going into this game. And now the incentive going into the game on your home soil is win it and you've virtually won the league. Yeah. So I thought Dingwall was a, a great bounce back. I don't think they were at their best, but they got the job done. And that's what it's all about with four or five games left. But it could have been it could have been all over at half time if Kyogo There was chances there was chances been... in it. Yeah. And but the longer it goes at one nil, you, you talk about nerves, the longer it goes at one nil and their keeper makes a couple of great saves. Couple of chances missed. Uh, there's all. It, it's like the the one nil. Whereas it's against St Johnson on the last game of the season. It's one nil. That first half, I watched that back in lockdown. We had loads of chances, and we could have put the game to bed in the first half. But as soon as the second half started, you could see the nerves within the team. It was misplaced passes. Everybody was a wee bit more nervy. You could tell by the crowd that Rangers were getting a result, I think, at Tannadice. So, you know, it's it's a crucial, important time of the season. And within games, the momentum can change. So it was really important to get over the line with that. 
and keep that gap going into this game puts you in a really strong position. And we were neck and neck with, you know, with, with Rangers coming up to that stop in the 10 and we kind of stumbled. It was, I think I think there were two draws, Hibs and, and then the trip to the Femme when we could have won the league and everybody from the south of Ireland had to drive up to the top of the top of the north of Ireland to <laughs> to get the game to listen to the game you know that's how you know that's long before all the, you know social media and yeah. you know you can you can see anything now within an instant on Twitter you can see a goal but yeah you're going into like was the nerves was dripping in was that was there any doubt you know like like you talked there about half time you won nil up at half time you remember what Wim said to you is, I can't, I can't, mate. I really can't. I just, I remember, as I said, performance, because I was watching myself, obviously, Harold came on for me, it gets a, he gets the, the, the second goal, but he, I was, I came off for Harold, maybe midway through the second half, I could already tell by then that there was wee bits within my own game watching it that, you know, just trying a wee bit too hard and things were only happening, especially after Henrik scoring so early. Normally, a game like that, you'd go and win it 3 or 4 nil, and it would be, everybody would have the cigars out and it would be an easy, comfortable afternoon, but it just wasn't that. And it was just adding to the, the stress factor. And I, I did see the team after half-time you know, beginning to feel it a wee bit. So, I suppose you just have to hang in. The, the, the second goal is a great goal. It's a, a well-worked goal, but just total relief, I think. every From every fan to every member of the team to the guys in the dugout when the second goal went in was just a relief because then that was the only minute that we realised it's not it's ours now. It's ours. And it's, it's, it's actually giving me goosebumps thinking about because the week before when Kilmarnock got the late goal against Rangers, I was immediately on the phone to Jackie because all of a sudden that was the first time it was in our hands. You say go East End Park the next day and win it, which we should have. But the the, the following week when we got to 2-0, it was like, that's it, done. There's no way St. Johnson scoring two goals against us. You talk about Goose Pimples. Um, it was a decade. We waited a decade. You know, like, like when I started, you know, Folly and Celtic. That was the first team that I'd seen was the centenary team, you know. This iconic yeah. manager, legend of the club. Uh, and the players, you know, you remember all those players. But you yeah. know, in, in ten years, like if someone said to me, you know, name the team from ninety three, you will name it, but you'll you'll it's it's not gonna rhyme off. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. that team to stop the ten become it, it ten years you've now got a, it's a, a big a, a new well, set listen, of the more I think about it, it's a it's a big it's a big season in Celtic's history. And it's an absolute privilege, you know, for me to say that I I played my part in it. I look back at 95, I won my first medal for Celtic in 1995, Scottish Cup. And I remember from that day, McStay, Burns, Stark, Grant, I remember their reaction at winning the game. And I thought at the time, I probably didn't think much of it at the time, but now when I give it more thought, these guys were all used to winning in that era that you talk about, 88s, 89s, earlier than that, you know, winning Scottish Cups, winning leagues. 
doing the double in 88. It was a long time for a club like Celtic to wait for the, the next trophy. And then you add in Tommy Burns, the Celtic legend, back as manager, his first trophy, and I think it was maybe Paul McStay's first as a captain. So these are big, these are big moments, and I just look back now and say, I'm so lucky to have been involved in them. But when you get to the 98 one, and it's trying to keep a record from Celtic's best team of all time and try and preserve that against your greatest rivals, it's it's a big season in Celtic's history. So saying, I probably only think about it more now than I did then. Then I would have been 23, 24, and I'd have loved it. And I remember the relief getting over the line. But I think I appreciate it a lot more nowadays. Yeah, and this is one thing that's always stuck in my mind. Um, Wim left, he, he spoke after the game and he said, I'll be making a decision and um, I've only told me, only my wife knows, but today is not the day to say it. So that hinted that he was gone. Now, yeah. at the time, I don't think anyone really realised because to be honest, we were all at, we were all at down the Gallagher party and it was a beautiful sunny evening and the party continued <laughs> into was. the city. And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you was at a great party as well because we're probably all around the same vintage and we had uh, less miles in the clock then. To, so partying was a bit easier, especially the next yeah, morning. Yeah, a lot easier. But then he, like, did you know that it, like his relationship with Jock Brown was not good? No. He kept that away I from didn't. the players. I think maybe some of the more so every you've got twenty players, twenty five players, so you'd have different players have different relationships with them. Likes of I remember Lambo having a lot of conversation with him. Lambo was an older player than myself. He would always be in conversation with, with, with him at training. I was a, I was one of the younger boys. I would only maybe have conversation with him if it was directly, you know. Like that Tyrrell game, right, you're going to play tonight or whatever. Uh, so I, I didn't really know about any of the stuff behind the scenes. And then we went to Portugal a day or so after that, that title win. It was to do with the George Cadet signing. We had to play Sport and Lisbon in a friendly. Of all the times to go and do that. So you can imagine the state of us when we were trying to play in that game. But we get, we get pulled into somebody's bedroom in the hotel, I think it might have been Lambo's as a squad, and that was when we were told that Vim is, he was no longer going to stay. So, it's a shame because he never really, there's probably credit to him, he's never really came out and gave his, his story since, maybe in the book, I've not seen his book, but maybe in the book that tells you. Uh, and certainly recently, you know, when we knew his, his health hadn't been great, Murdo had been over and you talk, at the start of the podcast there, we're talking about the, the night of the Heidel. We had hoped to get him over and, and not even to, to to have to speak, just to go out on the stage and take the acclaim of the fans because it would have been such a, a lovely moment. But his health was deteriorating at that time. He wasn't, he wasn't healthy enough and we never got round to, to doing it, which is a real shame. But maybe something in his book... Uh, will reveal everything with it but what a legacy what, a, what if you're going to come and make an impact <laughs> what a season to do it yeah and we were we were high kind of we were still probably still drunk um when when he did <laughs> you know when these announcements were made uh as i'm sure i'm, I'm sure you just went on top form in that game either. Oh. <laughs> but 
like, we, like you explained this to younger listeners, you know, this would be the equivalent of Ange winning the league this year. He's won the league cup. He's done a double. And then he, 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 you know, he, on the last day of the season, he comes out and he says, listen, I'm off. I'm off. Like we would be, we would be so deflated. And I think, I think probably that gave you no, know, that gives the, the momentum to your rivals again, then, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, Rangers obviously went and won the league the, the year after as well. And that's nothing to do with, like, so Dr. Joe coming in because he had his own skills and a, a, a great, lovely man, uh, Dr. Joe, and obviously brought another absolute gem to, to our club in Lubo Maravchik, which might not have happened if them had stayed on, you know, it just be things like that. It's to say it's it's a movie in itself that season, it really is. The, the more I, I think about it and everything that was at stake and all the new players that came in and the fact that he, he left after it, it's, it's an incredible story. Yeah, it would be lovely to have a night like you had with the uh, with Martin O'Neill's two thousand and three team, um to for fans to go back and see because some of them players I mentioned we we wouldn't have seen them in 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 many many yeah. years you know so you, I know, think- th- you know the good th- the good things with the, these things as well but it's the same with the testimonials or the, the charity games is uh, are a long time apart a lot of footballers you know and after their careers finish or if you you move club and stuff and it's, it's great I think the boys love actually being that each other's company again as I say I go back to that two thousand and three. And they were through the back, and it was Martin and Petrov and Sutton and Maravchik, Henrik, Big Johan. And as much I kind of took a, a, a back seat, as much as I played with a few of those boys and they were my own teammates, it was very much what I imagine that group being under Mark Minnell, which when I look back and the success they had, and I spoke to Martin recently about it when we had them over for something, they were close to If they could have got through to the knockout at the Champions League with that team, and it was home and away. They could have done something with Henrik and likes of Sutton up top. They were they were a proper team that Celtic team. Uh, and I said that to him. I would have liked to have been in that change room. I, I don't know if I'd have played very much, but there were some real players, real players, Petrovs and guys like that. But it was good to just see them all back together in the chemistry. Because it, it doesn't happen any. What, what you're a long time retired, as I say. Yeah, I told I told Toddy when Martin came in. I think they think maybe no, maybe I was twenty nine. The second season, I think we went to. I think we from we Toddy's birthday, we went to the Ajax away game in Amsterdam, which was uh, a wonderful birthday yeah. party, wonderful result. But my son would have been born. Uh, I think he, I think he was actually born around the time John Barnes was announced as manager. But so he he came through. He remembers Larson, and so it's, yeah. for me it was a wonderful time. Um, we we ran a bus to every game back then before we for the cheap flights came in, and just the memories I have. And you say about you know going back and meeting old teammates. It's funny, you know, lads have moved to America that we would have would have been on the bus and that, and they come home maybe once or twice a year, and you get together with them. And the the stories get embellished and they get better. Like you know, yeah. so it is. It is, it is wonderful. But if you could, if you could go back, uh, Simon, you know, I, I've a, I've a time machine. I haven't used it in a while. But if you could climb into that time machine and go back to you know a moment in your Celtic, um, you know, career, would it would it take you back to that day? Oh, it was there another highlight that just st- sticks out for you? No, no, I would. Ha- that that's the that's the pinnacle for me. Uh, <clears throat> I was in a team. Making my debut, obviously, because that was my my dream to be a professional footballer. 
and I think I was at Celtic a year and a half before I got the opportunity to to step onto the field uh, as part of a, a first team uh, as a sub at Easter Road. So that was my my dream. And then it was right. How do I keep myself in this team now? How do I, I go on to be established? And I was lucky enough to do that as well. Uh, but the, the scenes that day where there's, there's a little bit of commentary that I don't know who it was on the radio at the end of the game and they, they're, they're kind of talking you through it and then they, they pause just to let it go to the Celtic fans or saying you'll never walk alone. I can't remember it's can't remember who's doing the commentary but it's amazing. It's amazing the scenes at the end were because it meant so much to obviously stop in the 10 but then see on a personal level I, I played against a bloody good Rangers side for a few seasons before and you're having to take that year after year you know it was just it was nice to stop it in an important season and be part of a team that won the league Magic and will you be going as a fan to the game on Sunday or will you be going as a I'm media doing, I'm doing Celtic TV so uh, I've covered the games of, of, of late I did the game at Ibrox for BBC and then I did the the Hamden game for BBC so it's much easier to, to do it when Celtic are winning so hopefully we get a positive result at the weekend Hopefully then just before I let you go I know you're a big music fan like myself um, give me give me give me a good band to go and see who's coming up or who have you seen recently or the the guy that I really like well various I went to see the, the guy Sam Fender at the Barras just before the turn of the year I thought he was great listening to a lot of him but I've, there's a couple of Scottish bands uh, the cartoons that there's a young kid Adam Frame that plays in young band called Noise these are two up and coming ones for me and uh, there's a, a guy called his Mark Sharp and the Bicycle Thieves. They are also Celtic fans, so it also helps. Was he was he at the Hydro gig? Yes, yeah, I, and we've got the. I Martin think I bumped into him in the bar. Martin O'Neill's at the Armadillo on May the twenty ninth, so there's still tickets on sale for that. Oh, brilliant! Um, if you if you send me the information, I, I'll get it out as well with, with the podcast in the description. So I mean, it's been uh, brilliant to talk to you, um, and it was great going down memory lane and just that always is always is that ma- that magic <laughs> that time, season. That time machine needs to get used <laughs> to, to, to get that magic season. Um, well, the last gig I was at was Texas in in the Olympia Theatre in Dublin, and it was absolutely brilliant to get back in. Um, and the next one is Paul Heaton and Deacon Blue outdoors. Oh, in, in is the that summer. a double? Paul Heaton and Deacon Blue? Yeah, Deacon Blue are the support band. They're, it's in um, St. Anthony's, St. Anthony's, it's a St. Sutton Park anyway in the north side of Dublin, so it's only up the road. So and I, magic. I, it was to clash with Ireland for Ukraine, so uh, I, 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 was, I was going to Paul Heaton, but I was getting a bit slagging off the boys I go to watch Ireland with. But yeah. it's uh, it, it, now with with the Ukrainian war, all the games have been moved. So um, that'll be a good gig. That'll be a good gig. If we get the weather, it'll be magic. And we've had Paul on the podcast, and he's been absolutely brilliant with us. So Simon, 
thank you so much. I'm going to check out them bands. If you can just send me a message with them bands on it and then all the details as well of the Hydro gig, the date and that because uh, Martin was a guest at the Willie Maley dinner in Celtic Park last week with Peter Martin was the host and um, a packed house and they brought the place down. It was just... Martin was just so he was the star of the show in the Hydro and he was the star of the show last he was he was really good he was really good uh, as I say I've been lucky enough to be in his his company through through these gigs and yeah uh, a really funny guy clever guy a good company ah uh, brilliant folks Simon Donnelly thank you Simon and uh, hopefully we win on Sunday and hopefully the league is wrapped up and hopefully we have another great night in Glasgow yeah 100% Cheers, pal. Thank you so Cheers. much. Cheers, mate. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.